It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. So Eric, this is our last episode in the Heroic Moments series, which is kind of a sad kind of a sad thought in one sense. Uh, we've been working through yeah. a bunch of individuals who have just deeply inspired and impacted us. And again, we've been defining heroism just in that idea of walking by faith and looking at situations and scenarios in life from God's perspective, not what may be surrounding us. Yeah. And we've talked through a bunch of great people. But in this particular episode, we actually kind of want to shift a little bit and talk about a whole bunch of non non-named people. It sounds really <laughs> funny to say that way. Will you bring up this idea or will you talk through the idea of CT studs, et cetera? Yeah. So uh, I think one of the things that's really impacted us about CT stud, first of all, he was well known to start out with. Most of us as believers start out as, you know, totally nobodies. And then maybe something happens, you know, where you, you do it, something and someone's like, hey, that, I want to follow that. I want to, you know, know more about that. C.T. Studd started out in the inverse where he was well known. He was a great athlete and he was very wealthy in England and he gave it all up for Jesus. I mean, it's a remarkable story, but he didn't just give it up for Jesus, but then he actually pursued a course of dependency upon Christ. And one of his basic platform points was what he called the et cetera's, which is to live in such a way where Jesus Christ is seen and your name may never be known. And that you have already understood that from the very beginning, that it is not about the propagation of your name. It is not about the popularity of your personage. It is the popularity and the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, most of us would agree, like every one of us listening is like, amen, amen, brother. However, to practically choose to do that is a whole different level of depth of devotion to Jesus Christ, because there are so many moments where you itch. It's the human itch to be recognized, to to have a sense of importance in this world, to be respected. And what Jesus is needing to touch on is that exact core. It's like, are you willing to give that up to me? You will be respected and honored in heaven, but are you willing to give up that down here and do what you do? in a way that maybe no one will ever recognize or applaud down here. Which is so backwards from our modern day, because <clears throat> with social media and YouTube and, and all the different access points we have now, it seems like it is so easy to become well-known without ever having first been prepared. And one of, the, one of the principles that we often teach our students is that idea of being under the stage or walking through a season of anonymity where you're actually being prepared under the stage before you get onto a stage. Do you want to talk through that a little bit? Because I think that's so important for this generation to hear. Because if, if we're just trying to, you know, have our name on a book or, you know, be known as a speaker or whatever that looks like, it becomes very dangerous because there's a lot of people who are speaking and writing and having YouTube channel stuff today on, on social media that actually may be saying some good things, but yet their lives are actually, they haven't been trained in this anonymity or this humility that actually gives you the strength to be on the stage. Do you want to flesh that out a well, little bit? Well, one of the things we encourage is, you know, we're, we're, we don't necessarily say that we train missionaries in the classic sense that, you know, you go straight from here to the mission field. At the same time, that is what we're training. We're training the foundation of what makes someone a great missionary. And what we or even just a leader or a Christian. That's right. Yeah. But to us, they're all sort of the same thing. Yes. It's someone who's 
on a purposeful quest to showcase Jesus and to share Jesus wherever they're at, whether that's in business, whether that's in the arts, or whether that's on the foreign fields. And one of the things that we say is in that readiness period to go to become a missionary, we'll just put it that way, is it's a, to cover all the, the bounds with that, to become a great missionary, you need to first be a no-visionary or a novice. You need to, first of all, accept the fact that there is a need inside of you to actually not be seen and to do your service in such a way which doesn't have applause because then it trains your soul to remember what this is about because we all have a natural propensity to want to establish ourselves, our own identity, our own popularity. And what that season of service does, when you are willing to do that thing and have no one know that you did it, no one applauds you for it. No one pat, pat you on the back for it. But then to turn to heaven and see his smile and be satisfied in that, that is a breakthrough in the sanctification of a believer. And yet most believers never even allow that process to take place. We just itch and yearn to be seen and known. I want to be used by God. I remember when I heard about uh, the Welsh revival. And uh, and I, I was studying it. This is when I was just a new believer, and I was very passionate, and I wanted to be a part of uh, a revival. And I remember studying the man that was it was praying behind the scenes, you know, for it. And and then when it finally came about, you know, he just stood up on a stage and started speaking, and just revival broke out. It's like whoa! He prayed for all these years, and then he got up. It's like that's what I want to do. And I felt like God had to touch that. It's not that the desire was bad that the desire to see revival was bad. That's his his passion. But what was in mixed in there was that it was I was like a key character where everyone could associate me with the revival. It's like, oh, and thanks to Eric Ludy, this great revival took place. It's like, and God wanted to touch that. It's like, Eric, are you willing to pray for revival even if your name is never associated with it? Well, God, why would I do that? I mean, that you, that, you don't think that that's needed, do you? And I feel like that was a very, very important process for me to walk through, which was to root out Eric in the middle of my praying, that I have to be a part of it. If I'm not a part of it, then it's invalidated. And it's weird how many of us fall into that category. Even you know when we hear about movements of God in the world around us, it's like, well, I'm not a part of it. It can't be that important. As opposed to saying, praise God. It's like Paul in prison hearing about the gospel being preached, even for the wrong motives. Hey, but at least the gospel is being preached. I want that. And I think that's a, a level of what we're calling heroism, which is profound. Uh, when, And I think all of us esteem it, that someone would spend their life and not have it even be noted, applauded, patted on the back, and yet they do it consistently for Jesus knowing full well that their reward is in heaven, even if it's never down here. That's so good. <clears throat> some of my favorite, uh, this is going to sound really funny, some of my favorite heroes of the faith are the ones I actually don't know their names of. Uh, I remember we've talked a lot about like uh, the the man under the stage praying for William Booth. Yeah. You know, William Booth was, you know, he'd be out preaching and he always said that, you know, he would have a man under, literally under the stage, praying while he'd be preaching. And of course, there's some funny stories that come out of all that, but... But we don't know the man's name. Yeah. And it's just like, William Booth would look and say, okay, the, the reason there's power behind the preaching, the reason God is stirring souls is not even so much because of the preaching, that's, that is the vessel that God's using, but it's because of the man under the stage. Or, yeah. you know, Charles Spurgeon would, you know, as he's showing around people to the church, you know, the story goes, he would always take him down, I think, to the boiler room, 
and be like, this is the powerhouse of the church. This is the reason why God is stirring. And there's that group of people who'd be praying there throughout the entire service. We, yet we don't know their names. Yeah. And there's something precious to me about, I, I know as, as, many, as, as many great biographies there are, as many great stories of, of the faith there are, there are thousands and thousands of the stories we just don't know yeah. anything about. We don't know any of the names. Yeah. And there's something inspiring to me about that. Because it means that God can use a regular guy, you know, he, he could use my life to radically change the world, but am I willing to do so without ever being known? Yeah. Uh, one of our favorite stories, well, we have apparently a thousand favorite stories. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of them are favorite stories. But there's this great moment with the Moravian missionaries when they hear about this island of, of slaves. Could you tell the story? Because it's just, it is so inspiring to me of just recognizing we don't know who these guys' names are. Yeah. At least I don't. I've never heard of their names. And yet these two men, I think it was two, maybe three, but these men were so, I mean, they are, they're inspirational to my life oh, yeah. almost on a weekly basis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've thought about that story so often. I Was it Paris Reedhead? Is that where you uh-huh. first heard it too? Yeah, 10 was Shekels in a Shirt. His, yeah, his sermon, 10 Shekels in a Shirt. Wow. Uh, so from what we you know we can put together cuz i haven't heard that sermon for a bit now but uh, that there were, i th- i thought it was two as yeah, well that's what i have in my head so. and you know the family is on the shoreline saying goodbye to him but it's what they are choosing to do is there was some island that uh, was run by a slaveholder and he had slaves on that island and he would not allow and he was an anti-christian guy he didn't want any evangelists any missionaries coming in and dealing with his slaves and so the only way that the gospel could get to this island was for these men to actually indenture themselves to become his slaves for life. And so these missionaries, I mean, that's how seriously they took it. It's like, I want to reach those slaves on that island. And to do that, I need to basically give up my life. And so they're saying goodbye to their family as the as the ship is pulling away. You can just imagine what's going on in their family's mind, you know, weeping, crying, you know, yelling, waving. And as the ship is, you know, getting more and more distance, uh, this one man sticks his fist up into the air, one of the two Moravians on the ship. And just to remind all of us back on the shoreline that are looking at their lives as crazy, you've got to be kidding. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Don't you realize you can never be known? You can never become famous this way. This is not what the, the human life was supposed to do, or is it? And he sticks his fist up in the air and says, he's not the lamb that was slain. This sounds like Paris Reader, doesn't it? He's <laughs> not the lamb that was slain worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. And it's a question that just sort of then lingers on the shoreline. And everyone else that is witnessing this picture of these two men that we don't know their names is, has to answer that question. Is not the lamb that was slain worthy to receive the reward of his suffering? That's what they were doing. They were showing that he was worthy. He was worthy of their lives, their, their reputations. They don't need to be known in history. And yet what they did impacted us. Like you and I have been greatly impacted by that. I can't tell you how many times I've said that one line, even with my fist in the air, feeling those moments of recognizing I need to make decisions too that are like that. Even though they may be different, they're not the same one. I'm not going to an island to become a slave. But I am giving up my life. I am laying down Eric so that Jesus, who is worthy to receive the reward of his suffering, would get that reward. It's so beautiful. Well, I think this is so pertinent to even this series because we've been walking through these great moments or these great lives of 
you know, Christian history, at least in the last couple hundred years, and just saying, here are people who are willing to lay down their lives. Here are people who had such a preciousness of the gospel and, and the reality of Christ that they were willing to give everything for the sake of the king. And it really is a, is a question for us, I think, and at least is how I've been processing it is, is not just to hear these great stories and go like, you know, that's, that's a great story. Praise yeah, the Lord. Yeah. And not even just to be inspired by them to say, okay, I, though God may do something completely different through my life, it, it, it's, a, it's an evidence of what God can do through a life. Mm-hmm. But I think the real question that I've, I've been wrestling through is just like, okay, for I think for all of us, are we willing to be that next hero? Yeah. And the real question even behind that is, am I willing to do that without even being known? Mm-hmm. And again, I can't wait till eternity when all the greats, like there's some great stories and we've been yeah. sharing some of those, but my guess is there's even better stories than any of those waiting to be unveiled in yeah. eternity where God's just going to be like, you guys missed the best one. No one ever saw it. Here's this, here's a jewel. And yeah. it's because of the faithfulness of people who yeah. didn't care about the applause, yeah. who didn't care about the onlooking world. And that really has been our definition of heroism. It's just yeah. Regardless of what is surrounding you, are you willing to keep your gaze on Christ? And I think for the generation in which we live, one of the pressures that we have around us is not cannibals. It's actually this uh, desire and this pull for popularity and for attention and for our names to be known and and all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with if God gives you a stage. And there's nothing wrong if your name's on a book because your your name's on a bunch of books. I think your name's on a book too. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. But it's also a, a posture of the heart though. That even if you're on a stage, am I willing to actually be the person under the stage, yeah. even if I'm on the stage? Am I willing to walk in humility, even though God may give me a position? And could we live that way and become this generation's heroes? Because this generation desperately needs Christian men and women who are living the life. I think there's a need for a recalibration or a reset of expectations. Many of us as believers, we've lived in a, we've grown up in a celebrity era of Christianity. Right. That's not healthy. It doesn't breed good health. Uh, and it does not mean that certain Christians aren't worthy of regard and honor. If you're living it, that should inspire others. And however, there's a danger in that because a young believer thinks of themselves as, okay, now that I'm a Christian, well, then I function the same way as the world does with the same marketing tactics, the same Facebook tactics, same Instagram tactics to get my name out there to show my wares, to show my knowledge. And that's where the danger comes in. I would say the function of Christianity, let's take a hundred acts of obedience in the Christian life. Well, I would say easily 99 out of those hundred will be unseen, will be unapplauded, and there'll be no pats on the back. That's just a healthy view of Christianity. In fact, it's probably out of a thousand, it's 999. In other words, it doesn't mean that God will not take an action that you have and draw a spotlight to it and encourage others. It's just that you don't do it for that reason. And so for all of us to basically just right now, just freshly uh, push a reset button, say, okay, I want to live heroically for Jesus but without a need for a pat on the back and applause. Now that's hard because it sounds really good on paper, but it's hard to walk out because there's this selfish yearning inside of us that has to be put down. We have to pick up our cross and deny ourselves, And that's why to follow Jesus, 
to really do heroic deeds like Jesus did, you have to deny that desire to be esteemed and applauded in this natural realm. And you need to do what you do for his glory, his honor, and his praise. And there's nothing more heroic in the Christian mindset. Like for all of for us, when we see someone doing that that didn't even do it for an applause, there is nothing more impressive. When they don't even realize anyone noticed, that is so impressive. That is the greatest picture of heroism that exists. Amen. Eric, just even wrapping up this whole series, would you mind praying for those who are listening that that whoever is listening, they would walk in that reality and even become this generation's men and women that books could be written about, yeah. but whether or not those are that ever happens, that's actually not the issue, but that the world would once again see the power and the majesty of Christ living out on in, in this generation through, through our lives. Amen. Let's do it. Father, raise up heroes. Raise up men and women of God that do noble, bold, courageous, heroic acts again, that do, as it says in Acts, exploits. Lord, we just ask that you would do a mighty work of grace in this generation to showcase your power and your might afresh. Lord, I pray that you would train us to go under the stage, to be trained in the secret place, to be trained to do our acts of obedience, not for men, but for Jesus Christ. Lord, we do not want to try and impress this world around us. We want to live fully and wholly for you. So Lord Jesus, we ask that you would do these things in this generation, in this hour, and that Lord, the world would be changed because of it. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.